This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith and a culture against faith. So let's talk about feminism for the last time in the series. For the last time of this series, not the last time on this podcast. We will continue to talk about feminism. This conversation is not a one and done. Until women are treated equally. Which will not be in our lifetime. Will not be in our lifetime. We will continue to have this conversation. And, you know, I do equate this. And look, I catch a lot of flack. There are a ton of people that do not like that I love Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I got people got qualms that I like Dave too. Look, I love all people. I don't care that you're not down with Dave. <laughs> I'm down with Dave. The we re- literally were just quoting Dave before oh, we yep. hit record on this. I love Dave. I think Dave is one of the best communicators on the planet. Fantastic. And the reason is is because Dave can get away with saying things that nobody else can get away with saying because... Because he's Dave Chappelle. Well, no. (laughs) No, Because what he says, he he puts in larger contexts. In putting these things in larger contexts, the one thing that I've realized is that this conversation about women... And the way that they're oppressed is very closely related. It's not identical. Please don't hear me saying that. But it's very closely related to the way that African-Americans have been oppressed. Mm. And I love what Dave Chappelle says. In one of his first Netflix specials, he's like, look, women, careful. Yeah, You got a long road ahead. Brown B. Board of Education. 1955, somebody called me the N-word on tra- in traffic on Wednesday. Yeah. Like, this is, this is not going away in our lifetime. Probably not. I still hear very, very racist comments. I see that the American people in 2016 voted a racist into the White House. Yeah. I see it all. Like, women's oppression is not going away in my lifetime. So please don't expect me to shut up about it in my lifetime. Well, and in, in, in the same way, along that those lines, and also leading into another conversation that I want to have, I do realize this entire series has been two male voices. Um, we Mine have, is Rosemary's voice. Which you which presented. Mo- correct, but it's her writing. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but... There was not another female sitting in one of these chairs. There was not. There was not another female sitting in one of these chairs. Mainly because we live in the South and feminist theologians are kind of hard to come by. And the ones that do exist, real busy. Um, Real busy. But along those same lines, today, um, I'm not going to give, I can't give too many details, but... There was one of our our residents at uh, my field placement who is African-American and was some of the underlying issues of what's happening um, were a racial issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And my supervisor, the case manager, is also African-American. And they start having this conversation. And I'm like, I can't say a flipping word. Nope. I do not understand this. Nope. Um, I could have had this conversation with him if there was nobody else to have this conversation with him. Yep. But the case manager was there. 
Mm-hmm. I kept my mouth shut. Yep. Um, my point in saying all that is, at this point, there are not very many people to have this conversation um, from the female perspective. Nope. Um, somebody has to do it. Yep. Um, and the people sitting at the top of the hierarchy of power in, the in our society yeah. um, should be the ones to do it. They should be the one. To. They should be the ones to introduce the voice back to the oppressed people. Yeah, I mean it's it's no different than Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Now, and granted, I, I'm not a huge Abraham Lincoln fan. Abe Lincoln owned slaves. Like, talk about talking out of both sides of your mouth. Like, yeah. not a huge Abe Lincoln fan, but Abe Lincoln was a white man of power who gave a voice back to oppressed people. Yep. And for that, I can applaud. For that, I can be here for. In the same way, I get that we're two white dudes, cisgendered, white males, evangelical, middle class. Like, Do not experience oppression. I get that. But at the same point, it's the people who don't experience oppression who must give a voice back to those who are oppressed. That's right. And so like, I, I haven't decided what I'm going to title this episode, but what, what I want to actually title the episode is like instead of doing it as like final thoughts or conclusion, but like, why would two white dudes call themselves feminists? Mm, I love it because of this very reason. Like, why would two white dudes who don't actually? Dude, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Well, it is, but like, no, I'm not saying it exists, or if it does, I don't know that it exists. No, no, it no, could be. Yeah, it absolutely could be. And the next time we talk about it, maybe we'll do that again. But I, I, I really, and I've said it from the beginning, like I feel a, a, a very intense call on my life to try to rid the world of injustices. Mm-hmm. And this is why. I, I've not been shy about it. I'm like radically against hierarchy and power. I don't think any of it's right. Like, I think it all just breeds corruption and injustice. Like, I don't think any of it's good. Jesus kind of thought the same thing. Correct. The first will be last and the last will be first. Like, I, I'm, I'm not really here for any of it. So why would two white dudes who don't actually have this issue call themselves feminists? Because we see a problem. And we have a voice of which they don't. Yeah. Like it's time for us to give that voice back to them. And this is one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about trying to find a way to use gender-inclusive language for God. Now, yeah. I'm also here for feminine language of God. We did a whole podcast about that uh, like in this series. Like I call God mother. In my own prayers. I don't do it publicly because people get weirded out. Like, I get it. It's too much for some people. But, like, for me, it's been highly beneficial. Like, I want the feminine aspect of God to be made forefront as well. But at the same point, like, I want gender-neutral language. Mm-hmm. Like, my, my probably, at least over the last couple of months... My most favorite thing, like way of referencing God, 
is I just call him the great divine because like, I think it's the closest thing that I can get to this gender, gender neutral language without getting like super weird. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like, I don't want to get anywhere near Paul Tillich. Like I don't want to get anywhere near like any kind of process theology kind of thing. The great divine doesn't do that for me. Mm. Uh, I think God has manifest himself to be the great divine. Mm. And if I might be so bold, I think Yahweh's like, I think that's what that means. Interesting. And so I think in some kind of weird way, this kind of masculine dominated identity of of God actually contributes to the toxic masculinity and oppression that we see of women in the church. Oh yeah, absolutely. Clayton, when, when we were growing up, what do you remember the narrative being about women? Heard repeatedly. They are the weaker vessel. That was like harped on. Yeah, that's like the go-to thing. Well, they're the weaker sex. Right. They're the weaker vessel, you know. And like in elementary, it'd be the vessel. By the time you get adult, they're the weaker sex. That's really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. That's really unfortunate. Because I know some women that could whoop the mess out of some men. Yeah. They really the weaker vessel? Right. Uh, no, for sure. Um, not the way that the tradition we grew up in presented it. Um, I think in the context in which that was written, it was meant to be about care and equity. Um, Ooh, interesting. Walk that out. Women at the time... War, were the weaker vessel socially mm-hmm. they could not take care of themselves and their position was fragile mm. their position in society um it, and i dare say at times even physically just because they weren't given the opportunity right um and so I, I almost feel like that was a command um, to care for women and the way that they needed to be cared for at the time. Now, I think that that takes on a whole different meaning um, because you can have, like, households where the women, the, the women are the breadwinners, Guess who needs to be taken care of now? <laughs> no joke. The man. No and joke. Now, guess what? The man is the weaker vessel. Um, oh, but you can't say that. Oh, but you can't say that. You can't, you can't say, say that. Oh, because the Bible said yeah, yeah, verbatim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-uh. You no. can't say that. Uh-uh. No. Wrong. False. Um, Shut your mouth. <laughs> like, so... And I actually got to give credit to dad for some of this. Um, Our dad? Yeah. Because he kind of set this idea up that there is always going to be someone that is the, quote, weaker vessel and somebody needs to take care of them. Um, And 
I, I know I struggle with that too, which is what led me to the equity conversation. That it's not necessarily totally. But see, part of dad's comment. Well, there's no actualization of equality at all or equity in general. No, but it, what, what I'm, that's, I walked to equity. Okay. I took that. He was not using that language. Okay. Whenever I started thinking about it, I, like, in this conversation, I kind of worded it that way. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was trying to get there, but just worded it. Okay, I guess there's some context there that I don't understand. Because um, you seem to be okay with it, and I'm not, which means I'm not understanding the conversation correctly. What I'm trying to say is that I think that that text is about caring for the people that cannot take care of themselves. 100%. That, that is what I think that text Why? is about. Why? Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Yes, 100%. Jesus. What did Jesus do on the cross? Took care of all of us. Literally, he took care of all the people that couldn't take care of themselves. Yes. That is what I think that that text is about. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I can preach. Um, I can preach. Yeah. I'm not gonna. That, that is what that text is about. It is not about vor- verbatim women being the, wor- the weaker sex. No. I think that that is the context. Paul wrote that. I'm not crazy, right? Or is that Peter? It was Peter. I don't remember. I don't remember. One of them. It's late. I don't remember. It's Paul, Peter, whoever wrote it. Somewhere I, in the New Testament. Somewhere, definitely somewhere in the New Testament. <laughs> somewhere in the New Testament, that's <laughs> so, right. Yeah, we know this. <laughs> um, but I think that that I is, think it's Paul. I, I think, think it, it is I think Paul. It's Paul. I think that when Paul is writing that, he is setting it up to say, take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. I'm convinced at this point that is the only way to read that text. Um, when you look at the narrative, if you are trying to use that text to oppress women, shame on you. Well, look, here's the deal. If you're looking for Bible verses to oppress people, you're going to find them. If you're looking for Bible verses to affirm people, you're going to find them. All of it hinges on how you view God. Do you view God as an oppressor or a liberator? Hmm. I need God to be a liberator. More than I need him to be anything else. I need God to be the good liberator. Amen. Yep. And until somebody can prove to me he's not that, Hmm. I'm going to vehemently reject. It's Peter. Peter. I'm going to vehemently reject that God is an oppressor. Yep. Which means I'm going to reject your bull spit reading of the narrative mm-hmm. if you choose to be an oppressor. Yep. Um, we say I, all the time that we need God to be loving. We talked about yesterday on A Closer Look that Jesus exhibits all of these things and Paul is commanding us to exhibit all of these things. If you are a toxic male pastor, you are not exhibiting that. Oh. Oh. 
reference. Say no. some more. Say yeah, some I'm mo. saying some more. I'm saying uh, yeah. Say some more. If you s- go back and you listen to the episode um, where we walked out toxic masculinity in the church, if you are the Mark Driscolls of the world, you are not exhibiting the fruits of the spirit. You are not exhibiting divine likeness because you are oppressing people. If you, you are, are not loving, joyful, maybe you think that there is joy or maybe you think that you have joy. Actually, you I, might have joy in that. Well, I, was I fixing, don't know. I was fixing to say, I think there are some people that would say it is joyous to oppress people. Yeah. I think there are people that are that corrupt and delusional. That is directly in contrast to the character and likeness of God. Yeah. Um, but if you are not loving, you are not loving, you are not peaceful, you are not patient, you are not gentle, you are not kind, you are not exhibiting the image and likeness of God, you are not being fruitful in the series that we were talking about this in. Well, and here, here's a big thing for me. In this conversation about women, Genesis 1 makes it very clear that God made humanity mm-hmm. in his image. Yep. Male and female, he created them. Yep. So the status, the position that they're given is genuine equality. Right. In the Genesis 1 reading. In the Genesis 1 reading. Literally, by the time we get to Genesis 2, there's no longer equality. Right. Oppressors have already risen to the surface in the way that narrative is told. Mm. Now, I do want to give credit to my friend Andrew Barrett because he helped me immensely with this reading. The problem's not actually in Genesis 2. The problem's not actually with the text. It's not. Because the text says that God made for Adam a helper. Mm-hmm. Historically, we've looked at that as a negative. Mm. Oh. God himself is called our helper. Yeah. The problem's not with Jesus, the text. Jesus even says, I will send you a helper, talking about the Holy a Spirit. Apparently, yeah. The problem's not the text. The problem's the way you've been told the text is to be read. It's the interpretation of the te- that, yes. And so oppressors took equality out of the narrative. Out of the narrative and became oppressors. Hmm. What we are trying to do is give that equality back. No. I'm trying to give equity back because because equality is not achievable anymore. Right. We were given equality and then we oppressed. Right. Once that shift happens, equality is not an option anymore. It's only equity. It's only the people in power that can relinquish that power and give it back to those who are oppressed. Like we said earlier, in our lifetime, we will not see the equality of women. No. And... Therefore, we need to act in equity to offset the scale. Um, And maybe eventually, hopefully, the scale will level back out. And if you want to know why we feel that way, 
It's because of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. genuinely I feel that way because of Jesus. Because if there's anyone that gave a model for equity, it was Jesus. It was Jesus when he Healing takes the lepers. No, no, no. Well, oh, okay, go ahead. Literally, the epitome of equity is that when he himself, the most right. supreme, powerful being, gives, of himself. gives everything of himself yeah. in order to take on the most humiliating death, yeah. a thing he's never known, to give us a jump start, a way to actually achieve divine likeness. Mm -hmm. That's equity. Yeah. And we're told right. time and time and time again in a myriad of different ways we're told treat others the way that you want to be treated why is equity so important literally because jesus said so